right, we talked about UCLA and USC leaving for the Big Ten, the potential fallout, all of that on part one. Now we're going to talk about how this could potentially impact the Mountain West and then obviously CSU specifically. Don't want to repeat myself too much here, but I'm, I'm sure there's some people that did not necessarily listen to both parts. So I, I just want to throw out a couple of things I already kind of mentioned on the last one, and that's just that one way or another, this is going to have an impact on the Mountain West and CSU. And if you're a Ram fan, you've just got to hope that you end up in a in a conference that looks better than the current version of the Mountain West and, and not worse than a current version of the Mountain West. Because you do have a bright future. You know, you have the head coach that you believe in. You know, I, I genuinely really think that Jay Norvell was a fantastic hire. I like a lot of the guys that he has on staff. I think that they're recruiting really well. Going to talk about that on the next pod, actually, do a recruiting update. But in a vacuum, you know, you're, you're pretty encouraged about the future of CSU football, at least in terms of the leadership that you have in place and the facilities that you have. The unfortunate thing is, is that you, you pretty much have to sell yourself 100% based on potential. And, you know, that stems largely from failing to establish any type of consistent success after Jim McElwain. You know, the, the Mike Bobo era started disappointing and it ended up being a disaster might be a little bit too harsh. But I mean, given the expectations, given where you were hoping you would take the program and, and where you left it, it, it was a bad situation compounded it even worse by making a horrible hiring move in, in Steve Adazio. And, you know, it's it's just a much different conversation. When, when we were talking about this back in 2014, 2015, I mean, I wouldn't say it was a lock that CSU would make the Big 12, but people felt really, really good about that being a possibility someday. It made a lot of sense regionally. They would get the Denver market back after CU spurned them going to the Pac-12. But fast forward to 2021 when the Big 12 did have to go look for expansion candidates. Granted, it was because they got poached by the SEC. But CSU didn't even factor into the equation. I mean, it, it was BYU was the team that they wanted on this half of the country. And other than that, they went after the, the teams from the AAC, UCF and Cincinnati, who have obviously been the best G5 teams over the last half decade. And then Houston, which makes a ton of sense for regional purposes and has a really high ceiling if, if they could put it together consistently. Putting my CSU allegiances aside, if I was the Big 12 commissioner, those are probably the teams I would have picked too, based on you know how they were doing. Location certainly helps as well. Ohio and Florida are great recruiting beds. And they're in major markets. I, I get all of that. But ultimately, it came down to they were winning. And if CSU had been a consistently winning team over the last five, six years, I think they would have been a really obvious candidate for conference realignment in, in a power conference either, whether that was the Pac-12 looking for somebody to patch themselves up after losing USC and, and UCLA or or the Big 12, you know, who are, are going after the Arizona schools and, and Utah. Maybe they'd be going after CSU instead of CU. Maybe they'd tell the buffs to, you know, screw off. You know, you guys were in our conference and, and you left because you said you were too good for us. And now you're crawling back. We're going to take your rival instead just to add extra salt in the wound. But in a period where CU, you know, continued to remain incompetent and, and did nothing but fail in the Pac-12, CSU, unfortunately wasn't able to establish itself enough as a 
as an up and coming brand. And ultimately that just comes down to wins and losses. It's been almost 20 years since CSU last won their conference. It's been close to a decade since the Rams won a bowl game. I mean, I can sit here and, and preach the selling points for CSU till I'm blue to the face. And I genuinely believe, you know, Fort Collins is a great college town. I believe CSU is a phenomenal university. I think that they have shown a commitment to athletic excellence and the track record is there for the Olympic sports. When you look at, you know, volleyball and, and track and softball's been doing pretty well of, of late. And obviously the basketball programs look good. But the one thing that CSU has not had is consistent success with football. And it's been a long time since Jim McElwain was in town, guys. I say all this not to bum you guys out because I do think, you know, again, I, I believe in what Norvell's building at CSU. I think that there's a potential for this program to to really succeed in, in a way that we haven't seen in, in a long time. But the fact that the Rams are not a more popular candidate right now, it, it, it's one, extremely disappointing, but it's also kind of a, a stain on, you know, the, the athletic ad administration and just the fact that they weren't able to do this, you know, it, it's, it's tough. There were a lot of things that didn't go CSU's way in the Mike Bobo era. <laughs> I think he was one of the more unlucky coaches, but you know, ultimately, the, the Rams, they, they really butchered this process over the last six years. They couldn't, have, they couldn't have done it much worse than they did, if we're being honest. After getting that initial hype and the excitement back post-Jim McElwain, you get the brand-new stadium and all the excitement there and just did nothing with it. The Bobo extension was one thing. I already talked about it on the last one, but I defended it at the time. I can understand the reasoning behind it. Nobody that supported CSU was able to understand the reasoning behind hiring Steve Adazio, a guy who had underwhelmed his entire head coaching career. In his defense, pretty tough to establish success in the pandemic, but other coaches were able to do it, you know? So it's just, it's a shame that those, those couple of years essentially got wasted under him. You know, I mean, what if CSU could have hired Jay Norvell back in 2019? And again, that's it's not even really fair to go into those type of what ifs. But what if they moved on from Bobo a year earlier and then didn't completely butcher the hire? What if they never extended him in the first place? All of that, we can do it until we're blue in the face. But the fact of the matter is after, after establishing that initial success, after getting the facilities, just failing to win at all, I mean, and really just being incompetent altogether, beat no rivals, no bowl wins, bunch of losing seasons, sucks. It sucks that this is how it's played out. Again, one more time, I want to throw it out there. I'm not talking about the state of the program right now because I am very excited about how things are trending under Jay Norvell. I think the offense is going to be fun. I think they're recruiting really well. I think they're just good dudes. I think more than anything, you can just be proud that they represent the university, which again, you could not say that at all about Steve Adazio. But it irks me. It irks me that CSU is not, you know, more nationally relevant, especially after all of us were talking about this years ago. And, you know, we could see that conference realignment was coming and that you wanted to factor into that equation some way, somehow. And I mean, your, your kind of best hope at this point is is to end up in one of these Liga leftovers. And ultimately, I, I do think one of these conferences could actually be better than the current version of the Mountain West. And I'll talk about the best case scenarios and worst case scenarios. But I think if you went back to 2014, you told the Ram fans you know, that they're going to have the on-campus stadium, they're going to get it, new uniforms, all of that. 
But in 2022, they're really no closer, or at least seemingly no closer to the Big 12 than they were back in the day. Be kind of a gut punch, I would have to think. I mean, certainly would have been for JTM back in 2014, especially after working for the football team for a couple years, man. I thought we were... I really thought we were going to be the next Utah. But it just didn't play out that way. So, yeah. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can also throw down major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with the same game parlay, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Personally, I've been fading the Rockies a little bit. Obviously, it's tough when they go up against the Dodgers. It it breaks your heart, but you 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 can benefit monetarily, so I guess there are benefits to being bad sometimes. Got a series with the Diamondbacks coming up. I'm sure there'll be a bunch of offense as there tends to be with those poor teams. Looking forward to it though, nonetheless. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Uh, eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. I also want to talk about our friends over at FOCO. The clock has hit zeros and the Stanley Cup Finals has come to an end with your Colorado Avalanche defeating the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning four games to two. What has been an incredible season from start to finish, the Avalanche have brought home the Stanley Cup to Colorado for the first time since 01. Keep that celebration going with officially licensed 2022 Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup Champions merchandise from FOCO. The collection features everything from apparel like shirts, hats, and accessories to collectibles like player bobbleheads and plush toys. FOCO's got you covered with the best Colorado Avalanche merchandise. Head on over to FOCO.com and use the promo code DNVR to get 10% off your order. Again, that's FOCOFOCO.com and use that promo code DNVR for 10% off your order. What might happen though? What might happen to the Mountain West? What might happen to CSU? Let's just real quick, let's just knock out the worst case because this has been kind of pessimistic for a couple minutes now and I want to I want to liven it up, I want to bring it back because I do think there is a scenario where they do actually end up in a conference that is not a power conference, don't get me wrong, but is maybe slightly better than you know the current Mountain West. But a worst case would be that the 10 remaining Pac-12 teams stick together and they poach two of the top institutions from the Mountain West, whether that's San Diego State and Boise State, San Diego State, Fresno State, Fresno State, Boise State, some version of that, but not CSU, who gets left behind in a, a now weakened version of the Mountain West. That would be absolute worst case scenario for the Rams. And you could say the same for San Diego State or Boise State or Fresno State, any of these teams that have aspirations of of doing something higher. Worst case for them would be a couple of the teams from the Mountain West do get poached by the Pac-12, but it's not them. And now you're in a weakened version of your conference, which is going to be worth less money. You've invested all of this money already in athletic excellence into, you know, the hope of someday being a team that factors into the national conversation. 
and you just got left behind. That's a really scary possibility. It's a realistic one. The Mountain West, as is, a pretty strong conference. The Mountain West, if it loses one team, could probably add somebody to stay relevant enough. You lose two teams, and it's just, you know, the, the 10 remaining. At that point, you know, you're not that much more relevant than the big sky. And at that point, it's really tough to continue spending at the rate that you're spending, and you probably see a much different trajectory for the future of CSU football. That's the worst case. Best case, you somehow end up in the Big 12. Maybe that's maybe that's because CU decides to stick with the Pac-12 and, and you know they're able to sneak on in there with the Arizona schools in Utah. They just want another traveling partner in the mountain time zone or something like that. I'm not sure if you would really need that since you already have BYU, but I, who knows? They just decide that they want CSU. They're able to get in the Big 12 or the Pac-12. You know, you're, you're able to get into one of these power conferences. And while they, they may not be the SEC or the Big 10, may not even be the ACC, it, it's certainly a better position to be in than the Mountain West. Best case would be Big 12. Uh, Pac-12 would be okay, assuming that they kept the current 10. And let's say it was like, Boise State and, and CSU that went over, or CSU and San Diego State that went over. All of a sudden, you're going to see more TV revenue. You're at a conference with a much more proud history and tradition. Again, I love the Mountain West. There's a lot of camaraderie amongst our fans. If you read my column, again, I, I genuinely do love the Mountain West in a way that a lot of people probably can't even understand. But there's just more prestige that goes with being in the Pac-12 or the Big 12. I mean, these are proud conferences with a lot of national championships. And I mean, you think about like the Rose Bowl and, and stuff like that should add that obviously these conferences are weakened without, you know, the biggest brands. I mean, when I think of big 12, I think of Oklahoma and Texas, they're now going to be in the sec. When I think of the PAC 12, I think of USC and Oregon. I think of Oregon more than UCLA, but now USC and UCLA are going to be gone too. So all of that kind of changes, you know, again, like you're getting into a power conference. This is a great situation. It's not as great as if you were getting into the, you know, Pac-12 five years ago or the Big 12 before Oklahoma and Texas left. But still definitely better than the Mountain West. I mean, not even a conversation. If you're in the Big 12, you're still playing really interesting, fun football programs. Like I think CSU, Oklahoma State, CSU, Kansas State, that, that could be a lot of fun. I really do. Uh, if you're in the Pac-12, if you're in it with CU, that would be intriguing because now all of a sudden you have a annual conference game against a team that you hate most. Now, I, I'm not sure how realistic it would be to hope for that. I certainly don't expect it to happen, but it would definitely be really cool. It, it, it'd be super cool. It'd be cool if I could dunk too, though. And while technically possible, if I put in the work, it does not seem very likely. I, I think it's probably more beneficial to talk about the realistic outcomes, at least the the more realistic outcomes in, in my estimation. Because I, I have a hard time seeing the Arizona schools, you know, being willing to sit pat. I think they ultimately end up in the Big 12. I think Utah and Colorado end up in the Big 12 as well, which eventually leads to uh, Oregon and Washington ending up in the Big 10 along with Stanford and Notre Dame. Again, this is just what I think is going to happen. Now you have Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State sitting there. I think there's a really strong chance that those three end up in, in the Mountain West. I just don't really know where else they would go. I, I'm not sure what that would look like as far as you know the, the TV deal that 
that the Mountain West just signed, does that open it up? Can you renegotiate it? Do you form a different league and call it something else and try and kick out some of these bottom feeders? Or do you just kind of go with the, the strength and numbers and, and try and, you know, have as many teams as you can on, on this western half of the country? Maybe to, to make it an even number, you're able to sway a team from the AAC who looks at a Mountain West, you know, with these pack additions as, as a better fit. You know, somebody like SMU, for instance, or Memphis. If you did add those three pack teams in SMU, you have a stronger footprint on the West Coast. You have Texas back after losing TCU back in 2010. I wouldn't hate that. I mean, I think it's a, a stronger league than you're currently in. It'd be 16 teams in total. Opens up a, a new portion of the country for Mountain West fans to travel to, explore, all that kind of stuff. I'd certainly love to go you know, see Corvallis, Oregon. But I think that's a really realistic scenario, whether it's you know, the Mountain West adding just those Cal teams, the Mountain West adding those Cal teams, plus a team like SMU or Memphis, maybe an FCS team like North Dakota State comes up and is a football-only addition, and you have football-only uh, members in Hawaii and North Dakota State, and then basketball, you're a 14-team league. I think any of those scenarios would be okay. You know, you wouldn't be a power conference, but you know, you, you would be relevant enough to still factor into the equation, still get some decent games slated. And, you know, maybe if you're able to have consistent success in, in that conference for a couple of years, when realignment inevitably comes up again, you know, down, down the line, whether it's a decade from now, whether it's only a couple of years from now, you know, if you have success in that league, maybe you're able to make the jump at that point. I mean, who knows? You've just got to hope that if those 10 teams from the pack stick together and poach a couple of Mountain West teams, that CSU is one of them. You know, if they only take two and CSU is not one of them, they're screwed. If, if they took the top four, they'd probably be in in that scenario. I would have to imagine it would be CSU, San Diego State, Boise State, and Fresno State. Now, if the Pac-12 was like, we're going to take Boise State, San Diego State, SMU, and Memphis or something, you know, CSU would be screwed in that scenario too. That seems less likely to me though. Same with, you know, I've seen people throw out like Louisiana Lafayette and stuff like that. I just, I, I don't think that, I don't think that some of those PAC schools care enough about athletics to justify spending that much for all of their other sports. I, I don't. I think they want to be in the conversation. I think they understand the the, the process and, and the benefit of making the money on all this. But you know, I, I don't. I just don't see them being like, yeah, we're going to send volleyball to Louisiana, and same with all the other sports. It just it does not make sense. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't move the needle enough on a national level to justify it. And I think those schools in, in the Pac-12 are rational enough to recognize that. But we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it all kind of hinges on these 10 teams in, in the Pac-12 and, and what happens. I mean, do four to six of them go to the Big 12? Does the Big 10 get a couple of them? Do four of them leave and then those six take, you know, four from the Mountain West and make a new Pac-10? I mean, there's a million different ways this could all play out. And we could guess them all. But it's kind of pointless until we find out what for sure is happening with these schools, until we get a statement that's definitively like we're sticking together or if some of those schools bolt. I'll obviously continue to talk about it. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, but I just want to wrap up here with a couple of thoughts on the state of college football in general. If you've read my column, you probably know where this is going. But I, I is it okay for me, and excuse my language here, but 
I hate this shit. I just absolutely hate all of it. We continue to, to stray further and further from what makes me love college football in the first place, and that's the history, that's the pageantry, it's the uniqueness. I mean, it's not because every single game is this you know, high-quality caliber football game between a couple of professional teams. College football has never been as clean of a product as the NFL, and it's never going to be, not even with these super leagues. Like, I feel like the, the mindset is that every game is going to be like that 2005 USC-Texas National Championship. Like, that's just going to be every single conference game. When, in reality, it's going to be UCLA versus Rutgers and Notre Dame and, or you know what I mean, Minnesota versus USC. Like, is, is that moving the needle? The problem with all of this is that once the novelty wears off, and I get it, there'll be some fun TV games. Like, I'll certainly watch. I'm not, it's not like I'm going to boycott it or, or anything like that. But once the novelty wears off, and it will wear off, people are going to think, like, you know, these are okay, but you want to know what's better than Purdue playing USC on a Friday night in front of 10,000 people? And attendance will dwindle. You think people are going to show up for any of these games? Why would they? They don't care. There's no reason to. The, the in-person experience continues to get just looked over. I mean, it's all about TV revenue. So they're going to have just games at the weirdest times to try and maximize, you know, having as many games on as possible. And eventually a lot of these games are just going to feel like glorified exhibitions. They're going to feel like the, the bowls do now if you're not in, in one of the major ones. The problem with the direction that college football has leaned these last 15 to 20 years is it, it doesn't factor in that we, most of us, understand we aren't going to win a national championship. Our team isn't going to win a title. Like, it, it would be great. Like, the, the hope to do so is, is important, you know, to the, but maybe someday, like, that's what makes March Madness so fun is that everyone legitimately has an, an opportunity. But college football has always been kind of different, at least in my opinion. Maybe it's just because I grew up rooting for CSU. I, I think most fans recognize that you know, you're probably not going to be able to hang with the big boys consistently. So you know, just be competitive. Win eight, nine, ten games a year. Win the league. You know, Beat your rivals. Win the games that matter in your day-to-day -day life. We care about the border war, not because it's going to impact the college football playoff selection process, not because it's you know typically going to impact the top twenty-five. You know, it's you know more times than not probably a couple of five hundred teams at best playing each other, but it, it matters to us because we're sixty miles apart. We all know people that went to Wyoming. We all have friends that are Wyoming fans. You know, frenemies. You know that we go back and forth with my good my guy Cody Tucker from seventy-two twenty. I mean, there's there's a camaraderie there. And when you get away from the rivalries and, and the tradition and, and the games that we've all grown up with and, and you know, fell in love with, if, if your team isn't one of these top 10, 15 teams, like, I just think more times than not, you'd rather have it be the way that it used to be. I mean, is, is other than Utah fans, is anybody actually happier with the way that conference realignment has shaken out in the 21st century? Ryan Rosillo made a great point on his pod kind of going through this. And I mean, you look at CU or Missouri, you know, are, are your fans, is, is it better? Like, obviously, if you're Missouri, the, the money in the SEC is great. They had some initial success, but is getting your teeth kicked in by Alabama and LSU and Auburn really better than 
you know, the border war, which they had with Kansas, that's a, a great basketball rivalry, but it was a pretty good football rivalry too. And now, you know, hasn't been played in a, in a decade. West Virginia has been in the big 12 for 15 years. I saw a thread on Reddit from a West Virginia fan. He went through it all and kind of pointed it all out. He's like, we don't have any rivals in the big 12. See, you didn't have any rivals in the pac 12. It's like, it's not fun. If you ask any of these people, who's the team that they hate the most for West Virginia fans, it's probably Penn state who they haven't played since like 2007 you know, if you're CU, they, they tried to manufacture that rivalry with Utah. CSU has more history with Utah than CU does. So it's it's Nebraska and it's it's CSU. And now, obviously, they don't play every year anymore because of the way that conference realignment has shaken out. I mean, honestly, like one of my big fears is that if CSU does end up in, in one of these new conferences and it's not with Wyoming, would they still play every year? I mean politics get involved you get one petty ad and then all of a sudden you don't play your biggest rival for you know five years a decade just something to consider i mean it's been 12 years since utah and byu left the mountain west byu became an independent utah joined the then pac-10 and became the pac-12 with the additions of utah and cu those are two programs that historically csu has played almost more than anybody I mean, Wyoming at the top, they played 113 times. The Rams lead that series 59-49-5. They played CU 91 times. The Buffs lead that series 67-22-2. Haven't played CU since 2019. They played Utah 80 times, though. Almost, I mean, 11 less times than CU. The Utes dominated that series historically 56-22-2. They, they haven't played, though, since 2014. And the only reason that happened was because they met in a bowl game and played in regular season since 2010. Same goes with BYU. If you asked a lot of older CSU fans, you know, what teams do you hate? They'll say Wyoming. That's going to be number one. CU will get thrown out more predominantly by the younger crowds. I want to add that in. But, you know, Utah and BYU, those would probably be the next schools. And we haven't played in 12 years. It's just because it gets ingrained in you. It's It's... That history, it's playing each other year in and year out and being so close that you know people that root for the other team and you know you know they're going to give you crap if, if their team wins. There's stakes, and it's why these games end up mattering despite you know not factoring into the national landscape. And I just think that in pursuit of these massive TV conferences, we're losing a lot of that. We're losing what makes college football fun for the vast majority of fans recognize they're not going to win a national championship. So, you know, let's just have some fun. Let's represent our community well. Let's represent our university well. Let's get back out there. Let's be with our friends. Let's sing the fight song. Let's watch the mascot run out onto the field. I mean, there's so much more that goes into college football than just the football itself. And most of that has to do with, you know, tradition and, and things that get passed down from generation to generation. There's just there's elements to the game that, that can't be replicated really in any other scenario. It's, it's hard. It's kind of hard to explain, honestly. But my point here is that if you're trying to make the NFL 2.0, eventually it will fail. And in my opinion, eventually you're going to see a large portion of the country tuned out you know, to these games because, quite frankly, even if they're both eight-win teams, do you really care that much about watching USC play Minnesota or Penn State take on UCLA in November. No, you want to see the games that you've 
grown up watching. You want to see the rivalries that you've always watched. Anyways, that's uh, that's my two cents on it all. Thank you guys for bearing with me. Glad we broke this up into two podcasts. It would have been probably too much to digest in one. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll continue to talk about all of this as it unfolds. I mean, we're really just going to have to see what happens with the Pac-10 and then ultimately what happens, or Pac-12, the 10 remaining members of the Pac-12 using these numbers feels a little bit silly now given that the Big Ten has like 14 teams 16 teams, SEC has 14. I mean, it's just silly, like many of the things in college sports today. But uh, we'll see what happens. I, I do hope that in some way or another, CSU comes out in a, in a better position than they were, you know, a couple weeks ago. That, that's all we can hope for at this point. It's, it's really survival mode. Anyways, that's all I have for today. I hope you guys are all enjoying your summer. Much love. This is the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. Peace. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be. I got blood on my shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve. She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head. So now she's rocking my tees, tucked into new Prada jeans. And we ain't spoken a month, but I just saw her last week. The lipstick stain still on my cheek, like we ain't talk enough. And we always seem to laugh, but never nod at us. So the future's looking grim, it's kinda ominous. And this song ain't about love, that'd be too obvious. See, this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions. And this is more about me and all of my self-deception. I'll tell myself a lie, 100 times don't need corrections But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson And the peaches out from Palisade And they sweet as mama's marmalade And this should sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums And my mama slapped that bass, and my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand, we were tripping two left feet Like a middle school slow dance, no one knew how to leave But I'm so thankful for these days, they put a smile on my face Flirt with me when you're bored, that's what I'm here for Talk to me softly, till I get a little more Attached to the fact that you reply so quickly Dash and retract only when you get sick of me Sit back reminiscing back to when I got them digits I swear I need a witness of somebody quick with pinches I was out there floating, all them feelings felt indigenous To places I don't visit, heart eyes when I'm grinning Heart eyes and them emojis, you said you won't be on me I said you won't be lonely, you can't count on me like a bank teller counter ain't never felt prouder never holding back don't got a front when i'm around her i want to listen more like maybe i should say less i'm not sure how to make an album this is just my best guess my best friends are producers send me beats i bump the playlist imagine all the hours ableton was stuck on repeat all for me to rap about some girls who didn't like me sb 404s and stupid bars all wrote on loose leaf i weigh a lot on promises that sound like maybes my contact's still just numbers but in person call me baby like why i fall in love with every girl that wanna date me introspective but scatterbrained on the daily i'll make a tape with the homies and rap the same thing i know it's just rhymes but it sounds like everything and the peaches out from palisade 
And they sweet as mama's marmalade And this shit sound like summer days The windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies My daddy played the drums And my mama slapped that bass And my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand We were tripping two left feet Like a middle school slow dance No one knew how to leave But I'm still thankful for these days They put a smile on my face Thank you.